Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We continue in our study here. And what Paul is doing, he's this exhortation to young believers. They are new church. It's, it's, it's not like they've been around for 10 years or five years. They're a very young church. And we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1, and Paul writes, he says, inspired of the spirit, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. And this is so beautiful because these are things that have been taught to the saints. Things that have been taught to the saints. It's so powerful because remember, you know, we, 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 we make the comparison between, uh, the Corinthian, you know, first Corinthians and Thessalonians in the sense of growth and maturity. You know, we, we, we see Thessalonian, the Thessalonian saints as, or the church as the great do-over, so to speak. Now, b- because three years arrested development in Corinth, but then you have in, for the Thessalon- Thessalonian saints, it's so powerful because they're being taught, they're being fed. And yes, this is Paul, but then don't forget too that in Corinth, you know, they had, they, what happened is that, you know, Paul and the apostles and, you know, that holy bubble of ministry leaders and that holy bubble of the next generation of pastors, what would, they would go into a region and, and, and plant seeds, share the gospel, share the good news, and people would come to Christ. But then they would have, uh, uh, uh people as pastors appointed as pastors. And so, and then Paul would go to the next town. And so those pastors who remained, they had, had a responsibility to teach and exhort. And they had that responsibility to shepherd in truth. And you see that was found wanting in Corinth. And for three years, there was the arrested development as evidence in the fruit that we see in Corinth. But then you see young believers in Thessalonica and you see they're being taught. It's continual teaching and it's beautiful. And Brother Paul says, in spite of the Spirit, you have no need that I should write to you. And these are things that have been taught to the saints already. He says in verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly, or exactly is how it translates. You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Very powerful. The day of the Lord. Now, in, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the day of the Lord is described as both terrible and wonderful. Terrible and wonderful. A lot of times when you talk to non-believers or mockers even, or sometimes even confused Christians, you read the minor prophets, you see in, in the minor prophets of the Old Testament, you know, there's the, the dreadful day of the Lord. And then, you know, you read the New Testament, it's like, wow, you know, all of a sudden it's it's a good thing. And so sometimes the mockers, they capitalize on that they take advantage of that and sometimes even the the non-believers you know they 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 mock it but then at the same time sometimes believers they just don't understand young believers baby christians they don't understand they say you know what is it is the day of the lord good is the day of the lord bad well it's both the bible describes it as being both it's not a contradiction the mockers will say look it's a contradiction the day of the lord is bad turn the page over here 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 and then day of the lord is good you see it's contradiction in the bible no that is wrong it's contradict whenever you see people say oh the bible has contradictions no they're the contradiction their lives are the contradiction because their lines do not align with the word of god now if that might that might happen to be you i love you i don't say this to hurt your feelings 
I say this to understand as, you know, I say these things from experience because my life was a contradiction to the Lord as well. And I came to Christ. And that's what I urge you to do as well. Come to Christ because God loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him. And if that's you and you do not believe, or maybe you're in the camp of the, of the mockers, I say unto you, come out of her, my people. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. You come back and you listen. We grow together. And so people, they say, oh, look, it's contradiction. No, 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 no. No contradictions in the Bible. Lives are contradictions outside of Christ. So what is it? Is the day of the Lord good? Is the day of the Lord bad? It is both. You know what the determining factor is? You and me. That's the determining factor. Because if you're abiding in Jesus, it's wonderful. The day of the Lord is beautiful. If you are not abiding in Jesus, the day of the Lord is terrible. Choice. It's always been for people to decide. The Lord doesn't make robots. Brother Paul here, inspired of the Spirit, says in verse 2, to the saints in Thessalonica, he says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. As a thief in the night. A thief in the night. Matthew 24, verse 42 and 43, that the Lord comes like a thief. You see? And Jesus says, watch. Be on watch. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord comes as a thief. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. I am coming as a thief. You see? As a thief in the night. It's very powerful when we understand scriptures and what scriptures teach. Of course, I meant, you know, these are prophetic passages. But not just on the prophetic passages. What about the passages that pertain to you and me? Right here, right now, everyday conduct. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Rinse and repeat. You see? It's how we learn righteousness. Learn to walk in conduct that is becoming of Christians, saints. You know, we look at, you know, uh, 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 Ecclesia. The Greek word for church. And you don't see social club there. Ecclesia, it's a body of people who are set apart. A body of the consecrated. A group of people who are consecrated. It's not, you know, a social club. Brother Paul says in verse 3, For when they say peace and safety, translates as peace and security. You see, peace and security is something the world yearns for. Yearns for. And rightfully so. Who doesn't want peace and safety or peace and security? Who doesn't want that? But peace and safety cannot come outside of the Prince of Peace. The only safety that anybody has is in Jesus Christ. In the last days, it will be yearned for at extreme levels, and rightfully so. But there will be no yearning for the Prince of Peace nor his teachings. Look at the world today. Oh, we want peace. You know, oh, we're going to get nuked, and there's going to be nuclear war. We want peace. We want peace. 
And then you you tell them the precepts of Jesus Christ. Oh, we don't want that. We want peace. We want peace. But I also want my sex. We want peace. We want peace. But I also want my crack. We want peace. We want peace. But I also want my drugs, my Ouija board, my, you know, all these. You know, I like to go bars to the, the, to the bars. I like my to lie. I like to do all these things. You know, I want peace. I want peace. But don't come at me with the Prince of Peace stuff. And that's the world today. Just like the days of Noah. Prophetically speaking, there will be an imposter. There will be an imposter who enters peaceably as prophesied by Daniel the prophet. Daniel chapter 11. The Bible refers to him as the son of perdition. It's the Antichrist. And he will usher in an era of peace. And the world will love him. The world will praise him. The world will adore him. And when this peace arrives, boom. Look at verse 3. When they say peace and safety, boom. Then sudden destruction comes upon them. Whoa. And this sudden destruction, it's a process. It comes suddenly. When they say peace and safety, it comes suddenly, but it happens through plagues. Look at Revelation chapter 9 really quick. Turn to Revelation chapter 9. And in Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, Revelation 9, verse 20, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands and that they should, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You have a world here which refuses to repent. Says a lot about the world. Says a lot about the hearts of men and women. Pride. And in the course of these plagues that will befall the earth, that as surely as the Lord lives will befall the earth. We get to Revelation chapter 11. Turn to Revelation chapter 11 really quick. And in Revelation chapter 11, we see in verse 12, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And as, and they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. You see, in chapter nine, you see no repentance, no repentance. You know, you see there, they refused to repent. They did not repent. And all of a sudden, just like we see in the Old Testament, how the fear of the Lord is a learned thing. Now you see the people in this great earthquake. Wow, you see, they're afraid. They were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. It's so powerful, especially, remember, we do not read the book of Revelation in chronological order. It is not written in chronological order. A lot of people teach that it is written in chronological order, but that's not the case. You know, if that were the case, did did Babylon fall twice? No. No, because we see, you know, Babylon is fallen. We see if it was in chronological order, the first one, the, the, the first one was ineffective. No. 
Revelation is not written in chronological order. And it's so powerful when we understand the truth of Scripture. You see the heart of men in this particular time. This is in the latter half of the uh, 70th week of Daniel. The, 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 the middle of the 70th week has already happened. The abomination of desol- desolations. But then you see the process of, you know, like we see here. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 now. Now, when they say in, in, in verse 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, when they say peace and safety, something the world is yearning for today. And rightfully so, I don't disagree. I want peace. But real peace cannot be, cannot exist outside of the Prince of Peace. He is the only one. Before he rules on the earth, he rules in the heart of men and women. Young, old, male, female, I don't care. But before he rules in the world, he rules in hearts. You see? Now, in the heart, that's a choice. That's a choice that every person has to make for himself or herself. It is a choice. Just like, you know, David, when he goes to war and he comes back and he has a, a you know, bag full of foreskins. A lot of people say, oh, look, he, he, he was emasculated so they can send a message to the neighboring people like, you know, oh, you're not man enough. No, 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 no. That's carnal. That's carnal thinking. A lot of pastors teach that way. That's carnal. Circumcision. Except they're dead. It's much better to be circumcised and live than it is to be circumcised and dead. Because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You, me, believers, saints, we do it willingly. Circumcised while alive. There will be a time when it is too late. And that is circumcision when dead, it's too late. Just like, you know, Lazarus and the rich man. For the rich guy, too late. He made his choice while living. And his choice was to refuse. You see? To be undecided is precisely to be decided. Oh, I'm not too sure about Jesus Christ. Well, that's a decision. No, it's not. I'm undecided. Well, you've decided. And I don't want that for you. If if you're listening and you're not a believer, we like to say from time to time, get in the ark. Jesus Christ is the ark of our time. And so you see in verse 3, when they say peace and safety, we've finally achieved it. This is the world. We've finally achieved peace and safety. Boom, sudden destruction comes upon them. Remember in verse 2 that the day of the Lord comes, so comes as a thief in the night. Just like Matthew 24, verse 42 and 43, the Lord comes like a thief. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the day of the Lord comes as a thief. Revelation 16, verse 15, I am coming as a thief. You see? Turn with me really quick to Daniel chapter 11, the book of Daniel chapter 11. 
And we see here in Daniel 11, well, verse 24, Daniel 11, verse 24, he shall enter peaceably. That's the Antichrist. He shall enter peaceably. But then we see also here in, uh, uh, um, in verse, go to verse 31. This is regarding the Antichrist. And forces shall be mustered by him. This is the Antichrist. And they shall defile the sanctuary forces. For, uh, they shall, they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But I love this part. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This is the remnant of the last days. The remnant during the 70th week and the remnant precisely after the abomination of desolation, which occurs in the middle of the 70th week. Listen to our study. It's called uh, uh, When is the Rapture? And we cover all, you know, New Testament and Old Testament passages. The middle of the 70th week is the abomination of desolation. And I love this last part of verse 32. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's the remnant. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. We will take casualties. There will be casualties. Remember phase one, our study in, you know, first Thessalonians chapter one, two, three, and four, we make reference to phase one. The evacuation hasn't happened yet. And this falling by sword and flame and by captivity and plundering, we will take casualties, the remnant. We will take casualties. It's just like, you know, I have some friends that were, you know, Marine Corps infantry in Vietnam. And you hear about the, you know, they, uh, you know, we share war stories and they talk about their war stories. And, you know, it's like we, when they get these briefings that they're going to enter in a certain region and they will take casualties and, you know, the, the, the casualty rate isn't so good. And yet they still go. Why? Because they're highly disciplined warriors. And that's according to the flesh. What about according to the spirit? How much more according to the spirit? Understanding that we will take casualties according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Death has no victory. For the saint, for the Christian. And this falling by sword and flame and by captivity and plundering, this correlates with the seals of Revelation. The book of Revelation, people say, oh, we're not going to be here. We're, we're raptured. You know, the rapture happens before the 70th week. It's unbiblical. It is not found in the Bible. The living will by, by no means. You know, Paul says, you know, as a word from the Lord, the living will by no, no means precede the dead. In verse 34, we see, now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue 
and some of those of understanding shall fall. You see? Casualties. To refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Turn with me really quick to Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew 24, remember, Jesus Christ says, you know, the the disciples, they asked Jesus Christ in in Matthew 24. The disciples asked Jesus Christ in verse 3, Matthew 24, verse 3, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus speaks and gives them the signs of the times. In verse 15, he says, therefore, verse 15, Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, when you see, remember, he's speaking to his disciples. People say, oh, this is Jacob's trouble. No, it isn't. I mean, troublesome for Jacob. But listen to our study. It's called uh, uh, Jacob's trouble biblically explained. You'll understand more. We cover that extensively. Jacob's trouble biblically explained. Listen to that as well. People say, oh, this is this is for Jacob. This is for Jacob. This is the time of Jacob's trouble. But don't forget, is the disciples asked him, what's the sign of your coming? When will these things be? And what is the sign of your coming? Christians. Christians asked him, what is the sign of your coming? Christians. And he responds to his disciples, Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, the Messiah. He responds to his disciples, Christians. In verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, if the rapture were pre-tribulational before the 70th week, which it isn't, but if it were, How could disciples of Jesus see the abomination of desolation if, according to the theory of pre-tribulation rapture, they shouldn't be able to see it? The abomination of desolation. Because, according to the theory, they would have been raptured out. You see? It doesn't fit. The theory doesn't align with Scripture. The pre-tribulation rapture theory. Listen to our studies through... You know, there's a study, when is the rapture? There's another one that, that Jacob's trouble biblically explained. But you, you, you listen to our study through Thess- the Thessalonians uh, uh, books. Phase one, phase two is evacuation. You see? And so Jesus says in verse 15, Therefore, when you see, speaking to Christians, speaking to his disciples, speaking to his followers... When you see the abomination of desolation, which happens in the middle of the 70th week in accordance to Daniel 9, the prophecies of Daniel 9, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Remember what we referred to in Second Thessal- or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, uh, uh, verse 3, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. And this all overlays with that precise moment. The abomination of desolation when the Antichrist is officially identified. 
officially identified when he stands in the holy place proclaiming to be God. The abomination of desolations. And so Jesus says in verse 15, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant. Wow. And those who are nursing babies in those days. Oh my goodness. I mean, we see pregnancies and having a family. It's like, wow, this is so beautiful. But for the time of the end, Jesus, red letters. He says, woe, W-O-E. Woe to those who are pregnant and, and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. I love this so much because it's like, wow, you mean the prayer of the saints can impact the return of Jesus? And the Lord says here, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Remember, 70 weeks are decreed. 70 weeks are decreed. And when does it start? Prophetically speaking, peace with Israel and her neighbors. That's the starting point of the 70th week of Daniel. Three and a half years after that moment is the abomination of desolation. After that, straight up hell on earth. The last three and a half years. Hell on earth. And I, I, I don't mean to say that like, you know, in a, you know, like, you know, speaking loosely, but I say straight up hell on earth because Satan who knows his time is short, he's going to amp up his attacks like crazy. Satan and the demons. The rise of demons because they know their time is short. Not a lot of believers, not a lot of Christians are ready for that fight. The rise of the demonic realm, the rise of, you know, uh, uh, Satan and his forces, the fallen angels. Spiritual fighting. A lot of times, you know, you see Christians, and it's beautiful, we walk according to the Spirit, and you know, to live lives in obedience to Jesus Christ, which is beautiful. But not a lot of believers are ready for the fight in the spirit realm. You see? And so Jesus, in continuation, he says here in verse 21, and he says, for then there will be great tribulation. Remember, this overlay is in our study in First Thessalonians chapter 5. When, you know, in First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2, that you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, boom, then sudden destruction comes upon them. And that's what we see here in Matthew 24. The abomination of desolation, the middle of the 70th week in verse 15 in Matthew 24 and in verse 21, Matthew 24, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. You look at the history books. There's a lot of tribulation in history. But this is going to be such 
as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be straight up hell on earth. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise. Remember, the rise of Satan is demons. And what about the servants of Satan? They're going to be on the rise too, presenting other Christs. False Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. We will take casualties, saints. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Jesus Christ is saying, you know, when when people are saying, look, Jesus is over there. And the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, is saying, don't believe it. When people, you know, there's going to be other Christ. There, there already are other Christ today. People, oh, you know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ and he wants me to do this. He wants me to do this. And there's only one Jesus Christ whose word is above his name. And in the last days, it's going to be amplified. False teachers serving their master, Satan. Christians, you know how Paul says, I fear for you because you might put up with it. You, 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 you might well put up with it. He says that to the Corinthian saints. Think about 2,000 some years later, give or take a couple years. The signs and wonders of the last days. The signs and wonders during the 70th week of Daniel. You see? There is, you know, there's a reason why we say these things. If you recall our study when we referred to Exodus, that there is power with other gods. There is absolutely power with other gods, other religions, other... Absolutely. The gods of Egypt, they had power. But they were not the Almighty. You see? Remember the servants of Pharaoh, the the wise guys of Pharaoh, the magicians, the religious leaders of Egypt, of, of Pharaoh. And the Most High God turned the water red, blood red. And then the religious leaders, look, Pharaoh, we can do it too. And they did it. There is power behind these other gods. Satan has power. He can do signs and wonders. The false prophet of the last days, he will draw fire from heaven. They have power. But they are not the Almighty. In Egypt, what happened is that the Pharaoh, look, you know, Pharaoh, we can do this too. We can do this too. Don't listen to the gods of, you know, the God of Moses, you know, the God of Israel. Don't listen, you know, look, we can do it too. And then all of a sudden the hail came. Whoa, Pharaoh, we can't make it hail. Whoa, Pharaoh, we can't do this. And finally, it was those religious leaders who says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let them go because their God is almighty. You see, it's just like what we see happening in Revelation. 
They refused to repent. They refused to repent. And finally, they feared the Lord. The hardness of hearts. The hardness of heart in in Egypt. The hardness of heart in the last days of the world in the last days. You see the exact same model. Nothing new under the sun. Just, Just as the Bible teaches, there's nothing new under the sun. And you're going to have false teachers. You already have it now. Oh, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Come on, let's go grave soaking. Oh, look, Jesus Christ, the Lord is with us. Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Oh, look, the Lord is with us. Look, this glitter is coming down from the rafters and we're going to call it the Holy Spirit. Oh, look, the Lord is with us. And, you know, God says that he's done with Israel, you know, replacement theology. Wrong. That's not the Lord. Oh, this guy, he's a expositor of the Bible. He's a great expositor of the Bible. And, oh, the Lord is with them. The Lord is with them. Never mind the fact that he says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. The real Jesus, as the Bible says, his word is above his name. The formula must be right. Because the real Jesus, understanding that the word became flesh, says never, ever, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. You do, you're going to burn in hell. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. The real Jesus, whose word is above his name. You take the mark of the beast, you're going to burn in hell. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. Mark of the beast, hell. Mark of the beast, hell. The servant of Satan says, Mark of the beast, heaven. Whoa. Oh, what great expositor. Oh, look, go over there. He's, he's, you know, it's safe to listen. It's safe to listen. Look, Jesus is with him. But the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, in verse 26, Matthew 24, look, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the the, uh, the the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Remember, riding on the clouds? We just so happened to study that. The, the, the word covers that. The clouds And the dead will rise and join him. The living will by no means precede. And then phase two, evacuation. The rapture of the church. Not before the 70th week of Daniel. Not before. If you're pre-tribulation, I love you. I don't want to... I don't mean to rock your world to the point where you fall away, but I do want to rock your world to the point where we understand Scripture for what Scripture says in a profound love of truth. 
Not a profound love of what we hope, you know, what we wish things to be. You know, pre you know, pre tribulation rapture, that would be great. That would be wonderful to, to read about all these uh, tribulation that will befall the earth and wow, we're not going to be here. That would be wonderful. But there's a problem. It's not in the Bible. You see? I don't want to make the Bible align to my wishes. It's me. It's you. We are the ones who must align to the truth of God's holy word. And so we see here in verse 31, and he will send his angels with a great cloud of, with the great sound of a trumpet. Trumpet. Remember? We just studied that last week. The great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together his elect. They will gather together his elect. Oh, that's Israel. Also, there's two raptures. You see? It doesn't fit. The pre-tribulation rapture theory doesn't fit. People say, oh, this is Jacob's trouble. Okay, so is there a rapture? There, there, there are two raptures. Is there a rapture for Christians and then a rapture for Jews? It doesn't, the theory doesn't fit scripture. They will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. It's very important. Remember, the disciples asked Jesus, what is the sign of your coming and when will things these things be? And Jesus Christ responds to his followers. Jesus Christ is responding to his disciples. Jesus Christ is responding to Christians. You see? Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I love, you know, just looking at verse 1. You know, you have no, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, you have no need that I should write to you. These are things that have been covered already. I love this because you have baby Christians. It's a young church. And yet at the same time, they're quickly moving to maturity. Why? Because they're being fed well. Very well. They're being fed well. Stark difference to Corinthian saints. Who were, you know, eating, you know, uh, baby food, milk drinkers for a long period of time, three years. Then you see the works of the flesh. You see, when Jesus Christ speaks about, or, or when, when Jesus Christ speaks through vessel Paul, when, when, when Paul writes, inspired of the Spirit, to, uh, uh, re referring to, uh, uh, prophetic passages in, to the Corinthian saints, that happens predominantly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Which means, because it's in 15, which means it's past chapter 5, which means the separation of the leaven has already happened. And Paul is speaking to the remnant. If you're listening for the first time, purpose in your heart to listen to our prior studies through 1 Corinthians and then get yourself caught up. Because you're going to learn a lot about maturing in Christ, growing in Christ, moving on to perfection in Christ with the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and the, the, the author and completer of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. And Paul in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, you have no need that I should write to you. These things have been covered already. For you yourselves know perfectly, exactly, you know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, 
then sudden destruction comes upon them. Whoa. We looked at passages in Daniel, passages in Matthew, which align perfectly with this future event. And Paul is explaining prophecy to young Christians. Praise the Lord that there's no Rick Warren around. Rick Warren today says those who study last day's prophecy, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. They're distracted by prophecy. They're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren needs to repent. Oh, but he's a pastor of a megachurch. That's nice. He needs to repent and believe in the real Jesus Christ, whose word is above his name. And if he doesn't do that, he will burn in hell. You see? And this sudden destruction that is going to befall the earth that comes upon them in verse 3, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. They shall not escape. They shall not run away. They shall not flee. That's how it translates. They shall not run away. They shall not flee. Prophetically, when this day comes, when this moment comes, this specific time period, the last three and a half years of world history, the first three and a half years, the the last seven years of world history, that's referred to as the 70th week of Daniel. And it starts with peace with Israel and her neighbors, a confederation. Now, you could look at the news, but what's happening, there's this this latest uh, effort for peace in the Middle East. And what they're saying now is let's scrap all these previous ideas. I might use them, but I mean, you know, let's scrap these other notions. And what we're going to do is establish this confederation. That's very specific to the wording as in of the prophecy. A confederation. We're living in the last days. And once this is signed, this agreement, once it is enacted, that begins the clock, the seven-year clock. In the middle of that moment, that's the abomination of desolation. See? Look at what is happening at the abomination of desolation. You know, the, the third temple, the building of the third temple. These are, the third temple is already prefabricated. They have the vessels. They have, there's Kohanim. They have people who are, they, they pretty much stay indoors. They kind of live as hermits because they cannot be exposed to certain things. They cannot be exposed to war. They cannot be exposed to certain things because, you know, in accordance to the law, if, you, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our studies through Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers. These are men that have a specific task. And I'm not advocating the law in saying this, but Israel, blindness has come to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles. Which is, you know, that's uh, Romans 11. Listen to our study through Romans 11. You'll understand more. And once the fullness of the Gentiles happens, I mean, you hear us say from time to time that the church age is coming to a close. And that's why. Because it's the fullness of the Gentiles. The church age, it's coming to its end. And then the focus is going to go back to Israel. You know, false teachers today, they say, oh, God is done with Israel. He's all done now. The promises are now to the church and, and you know, Israel's done. No, that's false doctrine. False teachers teach that way. Oh, but it's the gospel coalition. They teach this. That's nice. Oh, but it's 
hyper this and you know, oh, it's that's nice. We go by what the Bible says, not by what man teaches. We go by what the Bible says. You see, God is not done with Israel. The branch doesn't support the root. The root supports the branch. Remember the root of Jesse? And all Israel shall be saved. How many times do we refer to that when we study our Lord? The, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Provisions in the law for Gentiles to be grafted in. Provisions in the law for Gentiles, non-Jew, to be grafted into the camp of Israel. And prophetically speaking, all of Israel shall be saved. Both Jew and Gentile. You see? In verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that this sudden destruction comes upon them as, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Revelation chapter 9 verse 6 says, Men will seek death, but death will flee from them. That's how bad it's going to be the last three and a half years. When plagues befall the earth, men will seek death. People would, will want to die, except that ability will be taken away from them. Christians, for the saints, we will take casualties. We will take casualties. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. And in Revelation 13, verse 7, speaking about the Antichrist, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. You see? Which correlates with Daniel 11, the passages we read in Daniel 11. You see, the Antichrist, he will have power. Indwelt by Satan himself, he will have power. There's only two people in the Bible who were possessed by Satan. Only two. Judas and the Antichrist. Those are the only two in the Bible. And Satan has power. He is not the Almighty. But Satan, the demons, the demonic realm, they have power. But they are not the Almighty. In verse 7, it was granted, this is Revelation 13, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. You see? And authority was given over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. This is the Antichrist. They're going to worship the Antichrist. Remember, he comes in peaceably. He's, I'm doing my air quotes, he's a man of peace. He's a man of peace. And he's going to be seen as messianic. And then he will be referred to as the Messiah you know, at the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel, the begin, the first three and a half years, oh, he's the Messiah, the Messiah is here. The rebuilding of the third temple. And Jesus Christ says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, as spoken by Daniel the prophet, the middle of the 70th week, remember he stands in the holy place proclaiming to be God? And that's when the Jews are going to realize, wait a second, this guy's proclaiming to be God? That is blasphemy. 
And that's when they're going to realize, oh my goodness, like he's not the Messiah. And the Antichrist is going to say, okay, now we're going to kill the Jews. And the Jews are going to flee. They're going to, you follow the, the valley through Jordan. It, it, it aligns perfectly with the minor prophets, an area of refuge for, for Israel. The earth is going to open up and swallow the armies of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to say, okay. Because remember, indwelt by Satan, he knows the prophecies. And when he sees, okay, the Jews are protected. Now I'm going to kill the Christians. And that's what we see here in Revelation 13, verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. You see, overcome them. And people say, oh, these are tribulation saints. The church is already raptured because the rapture happens before the 70th week. Wrong. The theory doesn't align with scripture. The pre-tribulation rapture theory. Which I like in the sense of, you know, it would be nice if we could not be here. But I don't like in the sense of it's not biblical. And because it's not biblical, we throw it in the trash. It is wrong. Now, if you're pre-tribulation, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt you. I've had this discussion with pastors, elders, teachers, professors, people who teach in seminary. In some cases, some big seminaries, well-known seminaries. And we look at the scriptures, we study the scriptures. Oh, but this Bible, this verse says this. Okay, I know it does say that, but it is also written. Oh, but this verse says this. I know it does say that, but it is also written. And then finally the professor says, oh man, I hope you're wrong. It would be nice to be wrong. Except... We align to ourselves to the scriptures. We align ourselves to the scriptures. You and me, we must have a deep, 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 the most profound love that any of us have ever had. We must have a profound love of the truth. Exactly what the Bible says, Old Testament, New Testament, which is why sometimes, you know, we look at, you know, you hear a study and it's like, well, I, I, I wish this wasn't translated like this because it's better translated like this. It's not to say like, you know, oh, who, who does he think he is to, to correct this? No, it's, we look at the original manuscripts, the Greek, the Hebrew and the Aramaic, not translations of translations. Or translations with a whole bunch of commentary. You see? A deep, profound love of the truth. Because when these times come, the, the first three and a half years is going to be like, you know, a cakewalk. But it's, it's all fake. It's deception. It's in the power of Satan. It's, it's, it's all fake. When we get to the last three and a half years, that's hell on earth. Literally hell on earth. The rise of the demonic realm. Not the rise of the demonic realm, the unleashing of the demonic realm. And the church will take casualties. 
Oh, these are pre-tribulation, these are tribulation saints. That's what the theory says. These are tribulation saints because we've already been raptured out of here. No, no, no. The living, a word of the Lord. Brother Paul says, by word of the Lord, the living will by no means precede the dead. The living will by no means precede the dead. Oh, the tribulation saints are going to take casualties. They're going to take casualties and a lot of Christians are going to die. But by word of the Lord, the living will by no means, and not just the living will not precede the dead. By word of the Lord, there's emphasis. The living will by no means, by no means precede the dead. You see? And so we see in verse 8 in Revelation 13 in verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. This is the world worshiping the Antichrist. Amen. You speak up about the Antichrist here? I mean, like to your neighbors, you know, you go to the store and say, oh, you know, I, I don't like this guy. He's the Antichrist. You know, I, I see the news, what's happening over here. And, you know, I don't like this guy. He's the Antichrist. They're going to hate you. I mean, if you can go to the store because the Mark of the Beast system will be in play. The world will hate you. The grocery store, they're going to hate you. Your neighbors, they're going to hate you. Oh, you don't like peace? This is a man of peace. Look, he can bring peace on earth. Look, we there was a nuke that went off over there and millions of people died. There was a nuke that went off over here and millions of people died. And this guy came over and you know all these nations want to go to war. And this guy came on the scene. He ushered in peace. And you don't like him? You're so full of hate. You're a hate monger. You're a warmonger. Because this is a good man. And look, he has this, his assistant, this, his, his, uh, uh, false teacher. And this other guy, the beast from the earth. They're not going to say that, but we know who he is. They're, oh, look, this other guy. And he brings fire down from heaven, all these signs and wonders. Look, he's of the Lord. He's of the Lord. He's of God. You say you love God. Look, this is all of God is a time of peace. And you don't want, you're not for world peace? You don't want to have peace with your neighbor? Let's get rid of you. Much, much, much wisdom is required. Yes, for today. Yes, for tomorrow. But specifically for the last days? Specifically for the last three and a half years of world history? Much, much, much wisdom is required. Uh, intimacy with the Lord unlike any intimacy. Because the Lord is going to guide. The Lord is going to direct steps. But you have to have, we have to have the closest intimacy we've ever had with the Lord. Because just as we see in the book of Acts when the Spirit is saying, go here, go here, go here, leading people to safety. And, you know, in some cases, you know, harm's way, but that's workers. Not all workers. Remember the, you know, the apostles, you know, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. But for Paul, the Lord was saying, go to Jerusalem. You see, he's not like the average bear. Pastors, 
Don't be like the average bear. You see? And so we see this. In verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb. Slain from the foundation of the world, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. A lot of time Christians get mad at me. Oh, you should rise up against government. Look, they're taking away our rights and rise up against government. And you see pastors who are, you know, going to to court and being arrested, going to jail. Oh, look, I'm being persecuted. Oh, look, I'm being persecuted. I'm going to jail. And oh, yeah, we have to fight government and all these things. Prophetically speaking, if you're a pastor and that's your style of leadership, count the cost. Because it's going to cost you and it's going to hurt the flock. Why? Because you see the rise of carnality in the flock. Look at, look at the parishioners. A pastor goes to jail. And then all of a sudden, a pastor is, is threatened by the, by the government. A church is threatened by the government. And look at the rise of the carnal nature. Look at the rise of the carnal nature, you know. Oh, how dare you do this? And they start picketing and all these. Oh, look at all of a sudden the the police try to disperse them and all of a sudden they they fight back. And it's like, look at the rise of the flesh the whole time Satan is laughing. The rise of the flesh among saints. You see? But then there's a smaller segment of the church. Which, okay, underground, underground model, underground model, meeting in secret, meeting over here in secret, no singing worship, because if we sing, then, you know, people are going to know, look, they're Christians. Look at what's happening, like in, in certain areas of China and Russia and North Korea, even North Korean saints, believers in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not just dangerous to be a Christian in North Korea. It's dangerous to be in North Korea. And yet you have the underground church. They meet in secret. They whisper, you know, the, the message, you know, the pastor whispers. Because no one can hear. Everybody's quiet. You could hear a feather hit the ground. Everybody's quiet listening to the whispering pastor meeting in secret. So beautiful. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for saints. Pray for the underground church. People say, oh, look, the church is raptured because the word church is not found in Revelation. No, Brother Peter, in spite of the Spirit, says, no, the church is under judgment. Judgment comes first to the house of God. Look at the church today. Look at the things that are being taught from the pulpit. Poison. Not in all, but in many. Remember the four categories of last day's church? The last day's church is either false, it is apostate, it is entering apostasy, or it is true. How can judgment not come? How can judgment not come to the church? Judgment is coming to the world. God's wrath is coming to the world. But how can judgment not come to the church when the Lord is going to do exactly what he says he's going to do in accordance to his word? Nothing, nothing new under the sun. 
You see? And so we see in verse 10, Revelation 13, verse 10, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, pastors. If that's your style of leadership, count the cost. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to come at a cost for the saints, the flock of God. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. To hear pastors, pastors speak about going to arms. Now, I teach from America. Now, in America, we have, you know, Second Amendment, which, you know, I like. <laughs> but at the same time, to, to tell a congregation, look, we're going to have our arms here. And if the government does this, then we're going to attack them with arms. Okay, you want to count the cost. You want to do that? You know, all these things are in play. Verse 10, you lead into captivity, go into captivity. Kill with the sword. Okay, you must be killed with the sword. I like to think of like a five-pronged battlefield. There's five factions at war with each other. One group is at war with four. The other group is at war with four. The other group is at war with four. The other group is at war with four. And the other group is at war with four. Five factions. What do we do? We're in the middle of this insane battlefield, this insane war zone. We're in the middle of this. And we're not a party to this fight, this fight, this fight, this fight. We're not a party to any. We don't agree with any of these factions. What do we do? Consider the ant. Consider the ant just frolicking through the blades of glass, uh, grass. Frolicking, crawling, walking through the blades of grass. Death and destruction is happening. People are falling. Blood over here. Blood over there. People are falling. People are dropping. All this death and destruction. Consider the ant just walking along his way. Walking along her way. And that's the remnant. Not leading into captivity. Not leading by the sword. Well, leading by the sword of the spirit. And you see the rise of the carnal nature. Forget the world for a moment. The rise of carnality inside the church. It's a setup job. The church is being set up. You see? Remember, we see, understand the church, we will take casualties. Phase one, you know, is coming to its close in the Last half of the 70th week. The last three and a half years. Phase one is coming to its close. Phase two is evacuation. Now it is true. The Bible does say. Jesus does say. Straight up red letters. Matthew 24 verse 6. See the see that you are not troubled. That's what Jesus says. See that you are not troubled. Very true. But. When he says see that you are not troubled. This is before the abomination of desolations. Before the abomination of desolation. Once the abomination of desolation hits, and as we see in Revelation 13, verse 7, that it's granted for the Antichrist to make war with the saints and overcome them. Once that happens... 
the heart of men, the heart of saints, Christians. We're going to be put to the test in unlike ways we've never been put to the test. And you look at the rise of the carnal nature in churches, in pastors, in the flock, the rise of the flesh. But consider the ant. You see? Pastors, men, no female pastors. It's unbiblical. Men, godly men, pastors, faithful pastors, shepherds. Have plans in place for analog face-to-face only. Leave the phones in the car. Leave the phones at home. No geolocation. Paper Bibles. Have your books. Your Bibles, you know, paper, tangible paper. Have plans in place for analog face-to-face only. Because when verse 7 hits, chapter 13, Revelation, verse 7, that it's granted for him to make war with the saints and overcome them. I mean, we're in the crosshairs already, like in from a spiritual sense. But in a spiritual slash physical sense, we will be in the crosshairs and we will take casualties. Much wisdom for pastors. I mean, for everybody, but for pastors leading Protect the flock, feed the flock, protect the flock, and die for the flock. Be wise. Close, close, close intimacy with the Lord because the Lord, Son of the Most High, the Spirit of the Lord, go here, go here, go here. He will direct, He will guide. But you need to be dead in Christ, crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. Every single saint needs that. For the things that are coming. Near. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. But you, brethren. I love this. These are baby Christians. (laughs) It's so beautiful. I mean, brand new believers, they've certainly counted the cost. I mean, a brand new believer, I mean, nowadays, I mean, we're, we're living in a snowflake generation. I mean, there's never been generations before, like the millennials and Gen Z. They are the biggest snowflakes in the world. And, you know, you know, a snowflake comes to Christ and it's like, wow, you know, if, if such a person doesn't count the cost, they're not going to endure the times. Why? Because, you know, picture a new believer in Thessalonica comes to Christ and then all of a sudden, you know, they're under threat of a home invasion. Remember our study in the book of Acts, they're under threat from the thumb of the religious leaders. And then on top of that, there's the, you know, there's the big thumb of the religious leaders and then the little thumb of Rome. And then on top of that, you know, Paul, you're going to tell us about, you know, like, you know, uh, this destruction. You're going to tell us about, you know, the, the, the these prophecies about the, this death and destruction. And I love these young believers, this young church. 
because you see, wow, these are saints who have counted the cost. Beautiful. Remember, Thessalonica was boomtown. There's the, there's the pull of Thessalonica, which got Demas. Demas didn't endure. He, you know, he likes the bright lights, big city. Lured by Thessalonica. Oh, look, we got this. Okay. Look, you can make a lot of money over here. You can make a lot of money over there. You can do this and make a lot of money. Why do you want to just, you want to deal with Paul? Why do you want to hang out with Paul? Come on, Demas. You know, let's seduce you with these riches. And Demas is like, okay, hook, line, and sinker. Got him. Remember when, he, when Paul wrote to Luke? You know what Paul wrote to uh, uh, young uh, Pastor Timothy? Only Luke is with me. Demas has left me. You see? Lured by Thessalonica. The promises of this world. You see? Look at all this money you can make, Demas. Leave that little bubble. Leave that bubble and look, come over here. We got this. And Demas. He might have counted the cost. But remember, the formula isn't once saved, always saved. It is once saved, stay saved. Endurance. And he might have counted the cost, but the long run? Counted the cost for five years, ten years? I'm talking about counting the cost till our last dying breath. In the span of a lifetime, anything that can happen to any believer in the span of a lifetime. Okay, that's nice. You might lose a friend. You might lose this. You might lose that. Okay, that's nice. I love the Lord. You might get beaten up because you believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, you count the cost. They might chop off your arm. Because you believe in Jesus Christ, okay, you count the cost. Prophetically speaking, ultimately, when we get into the last three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel, which is coming, and quite possibly very soon, they're going to chop off your head. Okay, count the cost. I lose all my friends. Okay, I love you, Lord. I lose all my fingers. I lose my arm. I lose my head. Count the cost. Not for the next year, for the rest of our lives. That's what we do. And these are baby Christians, Thessalonican saints. Baby Christians. You know, to have conversations with pastors. Oh, they're new believers. I don't want to tell them about this. Why not? Look at Thessalonica. Oh, they're new believers. You know, I just want to show, I just want to give them love and love and love and love and love and love. This was... There's no greater form of love than to, to to die for another, to die for a brother. But then at the same time, what about the a form of love like to give truth? I love you so much, I'm going to give you truth. What about a pastor that says that? I love you so much that I'm going to give you truth and I know this hurts. I don't want it to hurt you, but it hurts. But yet I love you so much. That I have to give you the truth. Because a pastor who decides purposes in his heart. I'm not going to be disobedient to the Lord. I don't want your blood on me. You see? So I'm going to give you the truth. What about a pastor that says that? 
in fidelity unto the Lord. And you have these Thessalonican saints, yes, brand new believers, they're baby Christians. But look how they've counted, counted the cost. In the face of persecution, remember, we're made for this. Tribulation, remember we studied that? And yet you have saints who believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul giving them these passages, prophetic passages about the last days. And yet in counting the cost that you see them enduring. How beautiful is this to see these baby Christians. And yet they're just, oh, it's so beautiful to see their walk with the Lord. You can see it with eyes to see. You can see it. And it's powerful. Their witness unto the Lord. And so we see here in verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Remember our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 8? These are saints with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. With oil you have light. Understand, with oil you have light. There's a reason why we say from time to time, Store your Oil, because darkness is coming. Store your oil, because it is entirely possible to believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, what do we see here? Verse 14. Now when the apostles, this is Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see? And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. But it's very sobering to know that a person can believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. In accordance to Calvinism and Reformed theory, which are wrong, they say a person cannot believe the Holy Spirit makes them believe. But that's unbiblical. Calvinism Reformed Theory, it is unbiblical. It does not align with the truth of Scripture. Why? Because you have believers in Jesus Christ, Christians who were, who were, uh, they, they believed in Jesus Christ, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, except a problem. No power of the Holy Spirit. No power of the Holy Spirit. Because as yet in verse 16, he had fallen upon none of them. You see? Peter and John come to town, they lay hands on them, and boom, they receive the Holy Spirit. Not to, not to deify uh, Peter nor John, but that's godly men. Godly men laying hands. These are things that will be very important for the last days. 
Not what you see on, you know, TBN Tricking Believers Nightly. A guy, you know, uh, waves his hand and, you know, the first 10 rows of a crowd fall over. No, that's blasphemy. I'm talking about men of God who lay hands and healing happens. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in the vessels that he uses. But in these vessels, the formula must be right. Nothing blasphemous. And so we see in, 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 turn with me really quick. We're in, in, in Acts 8, but turn with me really quick to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And here in Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed or while he tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Very sad. The signs of the last days. Sleep. Sleeping. A lot of sleepers in the last days. A lot of sleepers today. If that happens to be you and you're you're listening and you're kind of like shocked, like, oh my goodness, what? I say unto you, wake up. Wake up. These days are evil. In verse 6, and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Beautiful. You see what? They're all virgins. They're awaiting the bridegroom. They all have oil. They all have lamps. Wow, praise be to the Lord. Except there's a problem. In verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, those who were ready, I'll say it again, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Whoa, they weren't ready. Terrible. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor hour in which the Son of Man is coming. He says he comes as a thief. Remember, we looked at that First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. You know, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Matthew 24, verse 42 and 43, the Lord comes like a thief. Therefore, watch, she says, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the day of the Lord comes as a thief. Revelation 16, verse 15, I am coming as a thief. Verse 13 here in Matthew 25, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You see? Let's go back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, 
Remember, these are saints who have the Holy Spirit. We see that in the previous chapter, chapter 4, verse 8. They have oil for their lamps. And because they have oil in their lamps, you see the fruit of it in their vessel. It's oil for their lamps in the darkness, yes. But oil also has fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. With oil, you have light. And with oil, you are the light. But don't forget, you have believers in Jesus who do not have the Spirit. As evidence in Acts chapter 8, it is entirely possible. If you believe in Jesus, and yet it is more religious than it is relationship, you're in trouble. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but my pastor says that I have the Holy Spirit because I believe and I can't believe without the Holy Spirit. He's wrong. He's wrong. It doesn't align with Scripture. You see? And to have oil, beautiful. But also, a believer can run out of oil. And this will happen exponentially in the last days. Believers who have oil, but they will run out of oil. And when they run out of oil, their lamps will go out. No light for the dark. And we want oil for our lamps, light for the dark. You see? That's what we want. That's what we desire. And to store our oil, and that's all, you know, be very generous with the fruit of the Spirit. But when it comes to the oil, be very selfish because that is for you. That is for you. Not to be shared with XYZ123. It is specifically for you. Store your oil. It's a personal choice. Oh, but my dad doesn't do it. My mom doesn't do it. My wife doesn't do it. My husband doesn't do it. My, my kids don't do it. Grandpa doesn't do it. Grandma doesn't. That's nice. I want them to. But they have their choice to make. If they want to sleep, let them sleep. We can try and wake them up. But if they want to slumber, you know, I'm speaking to you. You choose. Store your oil. And be very selfish with that oil. Be generous with the fruit. Very generous with the fruit. In obedience to the Lord. But also in obedience to the Lord, be very selfish with that oil because that's yours. And you, brethren, in verse 4, are not in darkness. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Are not in darkness so that this day, remember we're speaking about the day of the Lord, so that this day should overtake you as a thief or come upon you as a thief. Remember, Jesus will come as a thief in verse 3, but it won't come upon saints as a thief in verse 4. You see? Those who are not in darkness also in verse 4. But then remember, according to prophecy, that lamps will go out. Lamps will go out. Now, if we look at Matthew 24... In Matthew 24, look what we see here, Matthew 24. 
Verse 44, therefore, you also be ready. Be ready. This is a military term. It's state of readiness, preparedness. That's why we we train up spirit, metaphysically, spiritually speaking. We roll around on the mat, hand-to-hand combat. We train. Have you ever been in an, in an in-end environment where you are tasked, physically tasked, to be in a state of readiness for down-and-dirty combat? And that state of readiness, if you've been in that environment, you know how much more it is spiritually speaking. Where you could be sound asleep in la-la land and in five minutes ready for hardcore combat. In three minutes. Ready for severe, severe combat. Sound asleep. Boom, the order comes, you're ready to go. state of readiness that's why we train that's why we equip that's why we teach that's why we pour that's why we do all these things because the state of readiness in verse 44 matthew 24 jesus says therefore you also be ready remember the disciples christians followers of jesus asked him what is the sign of your coming and jesus okay therefore be ready You also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at the hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. To give them food. Hardcore exhortation for pastors, teachers in the last days to give them food. To teach, to pour into. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. How beautiful is this? Exhortation for the last day's teachers. Exhortation for the last day's pastors. See? And so we continue. We're understanding in First Thessalonians chapter 5. And so we see here in verse 4, you brethren are not in darkness. Why? They have oil. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the light nor of darkness. You see? It's not an automatic thing. You know, oh, Christians, we're, 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 we're sons of light. We're sons of light. It's not a blanket statement. Because in 1 John, Brother John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, inspired of the Spirit, he says, If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whoa. Puts things in proper perspective. Oh, I believe in Jesus, so it's just a blanket statement. I'm automatically in the light. I'm not in the dark. Okay, you say that. Brother John says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
He said, oh, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. No. Obedience unto the Lord. You see, people say, oh, I believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe in the finished work of the cross. Me too. 100%. Me too. But let us walk in the light. You see? I believe in the finished work of the cross. People say, oh, and they use it as, I hate to say this, but I call it like I see it. They use it as a cop-out. Sadly, it is used as a cop-out. So what if I do my drugs? So what if I go to the strippers? So what if I go to the prostitutes? So what if I do the crack and the alcohol and the Ouija boards and my, you know, the occult? And so what if I do all these things? I believe in the finished work of the cross. Me too, but let us walk in the light. Because as Brother John says, inspired of the Spirit, if we say we have, this is First John chapter 1, verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You see? Oh, you're such a legalist. Listen, that's a dangerous mindset to have. If you want to say you have fellowship with Jesus and, you know, go to the strippers, go to the gambling, go to the Ouija boards, go to the alcohol. If you want to, that's such a thing because you're not rolling around on the mat. You're not learning how to fight. You're not being equipped. You're a milk drinker. And it is not good. And ultimately, what's happening in your heart, it's getting harder and harder and harder and harder. Once it goes stone, remember, we want a heart to be jello. Once a heart goes from, you know, a heart can go from, you know, like a, 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 a pine. You know, a heart can be like as hard as pine. And then they believe in Jesus Christ. Boom, it's jello. But then through the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3, through the deceitfulness of sin, it's like, okay, my heart is jello. Come on, let's go to the strippers. Okay, now it's balsa. Oh, cool, you know, look, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's go get, let's go get high. Let's go get baked and I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Okay, heart is no longer balsa. Now it's oak. Oh, let's go gambling. You know, look, I think I'm going to pray and fast and then I'm going to go to the casino and hope I win a million bucks. Okay, maybe now it's oak and now it's pine. Oh, you know what? I think, you know, I prayed and I lost some money and, you know, and I'm going to go back to the, uh, uh, to the casino, except now I'm going to do the Ouija boards. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, pray to Buddha and maybe Buddha will help me. Okay. Now, pine to stone. Not good. That's Hebrews 6 territory. Once a person has tasted and has fallen away, it is impossible to restore. It's impossible. Once a heart is stone, it is impossible to be jello again. That's what the Bible says. A heart can go from, you know, balsa to maple. We don't want that to happen, pastors and elders. But when you see that happen, it's okay. Yearn with that person. Let's get back to jello. We got to be jello. But if they insist, oh, I got to be maple, I want to be oak. Understand what's happening. 
supernaturally in their heart. Understand what's happening, pastors, elders. Understand what's happening. Because now you're getting into leaven territory. You see? Once saved, always saved is unbiblical. The formula is once saved, stay saved. You see? And so we see in verse 5, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Remember, we are sons of light. Since we are sons of light, in verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep or fall asleep. Stay awake. As others do, he says. Remember Demas? He got lured. The land of opportunity. Thessalonica. Look, Demas, you want to hang out with Paul? Look, you, you want to hang out with Paul? Look, you got nothing. You got this. And they want to beat you. They want to kill. Look what they did to him. They beat him. You want that for you, Demas? Look, Paul has no friends. Look, he's a pariah. Look, look, he, he, he could be sleeping with his Giza sheets. And look, he's sleeping on the grass. Cold, hungry. You want that, Demas? Look, Thessalonica, land of opportunity. Look, you can make all this money here in Thessalonica. Damas, hook, line, and sinker, fell asleep. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us, this is military terms. Let us watch is to be vigilant and awake and on watch. Have you ever been in, on guard in a dangerous environment? You don't sleep. You really don't sleep. I mean, if you sleep, it's deadly. Not, you know, deadly from the bad guys, deadly from the team. <laughs> if you're on watch, you're tasked to be on watch, and you fall asleep, you know, it's deadly from the bad guys, you know, who you're guarding against. But, you know, you fall asleep, it's deadly because of the <laughs> because of your guys. You don't want that to happen. It's probably better to be, to be killed by the bad guys. <laughs> and we see in verse 6, but let us watch. And be sober. You see? These are very sobering truths that we're looking at today. These events of the last days. But understand, sobering truths must be seen with a sober mind. Not a mind that's given over to crack and alcohol and marijuana, ayahuasca. Look, it's legal now. It's legal now. That's nice. Oh, magic mushrooms. Look, it's legal now. Look, my psychiatrist says this. That's nice. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And how much my beautiful brother, how much my beautiful sister, how much my beautiful friend, how much do you love truth? Not an idea of what you think the Bible says. Not an idea of what you think is good. How much do you love truth? And we want it to be like so far to the extreme love of the truth that the needle breaks. That's how far it is. But if you're on empty, you're in trouble. Don't be on empty. We want it to be so far. Have you ever like filled up your gas tank, which is expensive now? One of many signs. Do not hurt the oil or wine. Look this. All these signs. Remember? Verse 1. 
Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, because they know. The last day's generation, they're starting to see. We're starting to see certain events befall the world, and it's like, wow, this this is almost like Ezekiel. Wow, this is almost like Revelation. Wow, this is almost like Matthew. This is almost like uh, Joel. This is almost like Zechariah. Bingo. Days of Noah. You see? To not to have minds that are not given over to the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, these, you know, we have sober-minded. To love truth, you know, you go to the gas station, you fill up your gas tank, and you know, you have the E for empty. I teach from America. I don't know what it's like in other countries, but like in E for empty, F for full. And you see like, you know, full, but you see the, the mark on the full, but sometimes it's so full that it's a little bit over. And you can see like, wow, I got even like more, like the full tank says it's full, but I got even over, you know, it's like a, like two millimeters over. It's like, wow, I got like super gas, you know, petrol. That's what it's like, you know, that's for, for the saints in the last days. To love truth so much that we're beyond what the, the needle is supposed to end at a certain point. But to love truth so much that, boom, that it's like over. It breaks because that's how over it is. But if you're empty and you don't love the truth, not good. Oh, I, you know, I know the Bible says this, but that's just a suggestion I'm going to go do my magic mushrooms. Oh, I'm not feeling so good. I, I got some, you know, psychological issues. And so I'm going to go do my ayahuasca. Oh, look, it's natural. God made it. It's natural. That's the art of Christians. Oh, look, it's all natural. So, you know, God made it for us. So look, I'm just going to go get baked. Look, God made it. I'm going to do my magic mushrooms. God made it. I do my ayahuasca. God made it. Therefore, it is good. The whole time Satan's laughing trap sober minds let us watch and be sober extreme love of truth the truth of God's holy word not the truth of commentary the truth of God's holy word not the truth of what you know the guy said oh take the mark of the beast you'll still be saved oh look let's go grave soaking let's go lay on the graves and soak in the spirit no the truth of God's holy word in verse 7 Brother Paul says, he says, for those who sleep, now, those who sleep are not on watch. Those who sleep are not on guard. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, if they're drunk, they're not sober, are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Notice, arming isn't automatic. It's not like, boom, I'm a Christian, therefore I have the Holy Spirit. Boom, I'm a Christian, therefore I have the breastplate breastplate of faith and love. Boom, I'm armed. No. You're a Christian? Praise be to the Lord. Have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're able to live our lives as Christians. The power of the Holy Spirit. Who, who can turn the other cheek? You get punched in the face? I mean, carnally speaking, when I was punched in the face... Wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Carnally speaking, in my BC days before Christ. You see? 
Who can turn the other cheek? We need the Holy Spirit. And praise be to the Lord. You know, you have the Holy Spirit, rejoice. You don't have the Holy Spirit, pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For my Pentecostal friends, my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, my charismatic brothers and sisters. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. That is one of many signs. It is not the only sign as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For my Pentecostal and charismatic friends, brothers and sisters, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 and you'll understand the Holy Spirit. You see? Brother Paul says in verse 8, Let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on, this is a choice. You can put on, you can take off. But I say put on. And I just echo the words of Paul. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Remember, this breastplate, it's not just, you know, so we can look cool. You know, you see people, you know, they they like to dress up like they're military people. Oh, look how cool I am. Look how cool I am. No, 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 no. What's inside? It's not just a breastplate of faith and love so that we can look like we're warriors, so that we can look like we're cool. Oh, look what a warrior I am. Look how cool I look. No, no. What's inside? That breastplate is going to take hits. Armor of protection. I like armor when I see the dents. A shield when I see the dents. I love that. Because it's like, wow, this... This guy gets down. This lady gets down. I like that. I like tough. That's just me. I like tough. When I see shields and armor, helmet, and they got like little dings and dents, it's like, wow. That's just me. I like tough. It's not a fashion show. It's not, oh, look, I can take selfies. Look how cool I am. I look like I'm tough. No. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet. The hope of salvation. Very interesting what we see here regarding hope of salvation. Because it's... Why would salvation be hope? Does salvation not happen when a person first believes? Yes, it does. So how can this be hope? I thought we already have it. You say salvation... Happens when we first believe? Yes, absolutely. So how can this be the hope of salvation? Because a person comes to Christ. And they enter Christ. But now a person must stay in Christ. Or abide in Christ. Remember the example we gave with baby girl in the house? You say, baby girl, stay here in this house. I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. Baby girl, stay here where it's nice and safe. You come back, baby girl's gone. Number one, you didn't lose her. You did not lose her. What happened is baby girl walked away. Why did she walk away? Well, there's multiple reasons. She could be like Demas. You know, she liked the bright lights, big city, and she just opened the door of her own accord and walked right out. Or she might have been seduced out. But in the same example, a person comes to Christ, boom, salvation. We enter Christ, boom, salvation. But who stays in Christ? 
who stays in Christ? You see? That's when we see the hope of salvation. You come to Christ, rejoice. You're abiding in Christ, rejoice. But until our last dying breath, you and me together, well, individually, but I say together because Episunagage, Ecclesia, Hagios, we stay in Christ for all of our days, tomorrow, next year, next decade, should the Lord tarry, until our last dying breath. Once saved, stay saved. We see here in verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath. This is orge. God did not appoint us to wrath. This is orge. Remember, we make the distinction. God's wrath is orge. Satan's wrath is thumos. You see? God's wrath, orge. Satan's wrath, thumos. We are, you know, when we take casualties in the last days, Satan will have his time of wrath and power will be given to him to prevail against the saints to overcome them. That is thumos. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, the devil has come down to you having great wrath, thumos, because he knows he has a short time. That's the rise of the demonic realm. You see, remember in chapter 3 studies, we are kemai for thalipsis, but we are not tithemi for orge. We are made for tribulation, but we are not placed under God's wrath. Remember phase 1 and phase 2? Phase 1, that's kemai for thalipsis. Even under Satan's Thumos, even under Satan's wrath, and in accordance with Revelation 12, 12, the devil has come down to you having great wrath, Thumos, because he knows he has a short time. That's all phase one. But then phase two, evacuation. We are not placed under God's wrath. Once evacuation happens, and remember, the dead rise first, evacuation happens, we shall join them in the air and forever be with the Lord. Remember? And then what happens? Death and destruction across the earth. God's wrath. Oh, but the seven years is God's wrath. No, it isn't. Oh, but the seven years is tribulation. No, it isn't. Matthew 24 says, Matthew 24, verse uh, 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 21, Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be great tribulation. Oh, the great tribulation is the seven years. No, it isn't. Because Matthew 24, verse 15, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, which is in the middle of the 70th week, and then the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, hell on earth. Oh, but my pastor says that the great tribulation is seven years. He's wrong. Tell him to listen to these studies. Oh, my pastor's a female. There you go. Formula's wrong. Tell your pastor to listen to these studies and see what he has to say. Because if he digs his heels in, you'll know. You'll know plenty. But if he listens to these studies, he searches the scriptures and indeed sees, oh my goodness, you know, I was wrong. 
you're going to see a humble heart. Pastor comes back. Oh my goodness, I was wrong. I've repented and now I'm going to teach this in accordance to this. And the word says this and let us all love truth. And this is how I teach and this is how we're going to teach from now on. Rejoice. That's a pastor who loves truth. All these things, all, all notions, all systems of belief in Christ and outside of Christ. Everything will be put to the test. The whole world will be undergo this fire. There's only one way that is safe. You see? The world will say peace and safety, but then sudden destruction will come upon them. You see? For you and me, peace and safety... It is only in Christ, abiding in Christ. Yes, we're going to take casualties. But to live is Christ, to die is gain. You see? In verse 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath. We make these distinctions between God's wrath and Satan's wrath. We make these distinctions between orge and thumos. Understanding the blueprints. Remember, plagues before Exodus isn't new at all. Plague after, remember Egypt, remember Egypt. Plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. Exodus, wrath. I'll say it again. Plague after plague after plague after plague. Rapture, wrath. You see? Rapture for Israel. Wrath for Pharaoh. Plagues before wrath isn't a new concept. It is blueprints found in Scripture. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. You see, this word to obtain salvation is to obtain salvation, but also to preserve salvation. I love that. Again, we'll say, once saved, stay saved. Because People hold on to their notions of once saved, always saved, which is unbiblical. But people hold on to those preconceived notions so hard that they start to teach, oh, it's okay to take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. Why? Because once saved, always saved. No. Oh, I can never fall away because Jesus never loses us. It is written, Jesus never loses. His sheep, those who are his. But I say unto you, it is also written, don't walk away. You see? We see, for God did not appoint us to wrath in verse 9, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, I love this, live or die, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other. Beautiful. Comfort each other. Now, I say this specifically to the remnant. You might be listening for the first time, you know, join the remnant. You might be listening for the first time as a non-believer, maybe even an atheist, skeptical. But I speak 
I mean, come to Christ. You know, if, if that's you, if that, that describes you, or maybe you're lukewarm and you're playing games with the Lord, come to Christ. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you, right here, right now, commit your life to Christ. As we like to say from time to time, get in the ark while the door is open. Because this door isn't going to be open forever. But I say this specifically to the remnant. Verse 11 says, Therefore, comfort each other. Very beautiful. But specifically to the remnant. To comfort each other, this will be very difficult and grow even more difficult. As we get further into the events of the last days. Because doctrinally, the church is a mess. Formulas are very wrong. Formulas in pastors and elders and parishioners. Formulas are out of whack. Remember the four categories of the last day's church? The last day's church is false. It is apostate. It is entering apostasy or it is true. And to comfort each other. It's going to grow even more difficult because people are going to dig their heels in to false doctrine and they will hate you. But remember, I speak specifically to the remnant. Eventually, the remnant will grow smaller and smaller. On top of that, we have the diaspora of these present times. Saints are being isolated and saints are isolated. Shepherds have become hirelings and wolves, and it's going to grow worse. On top of that, the mother of harlots will cry out to her children, and the mother of harlots is crying out to her children. Eventually, the world will rejoice with the death of the saints. Look at the, the two prophets of the Most High. When the Antichrist gives the order to kill them, they're dead. And then all of a sudden, the world is going to rejoice. Now the Lord rises them to, raises them to life. But the world will rejoice at the death of the two prophets. Oh, look, all they do is speak all this death and doom and gloom. They come to condemn and, oh, I'm so glad they're dead. And then all of a sudden, they're going to rise up. Remember, the dead rise first to those who have ears. And right then and there, the return of Jesus, judgment. When judgment comes, the whole world will believe at that point, but it will be too late. Circumcised and dead. Not good. Just like the, the bag of foreskins of David. Circumcised while dead. Not good. It's much better. I tell you the truth, as surely as the Lord lives, it is much better to be circumcised while alive. You see? Meanwhile, we see all these things befalling the earth. Meanwhile, when the last three and a half years come, when that point hits, meanwhile, there's also the rise of false teachers, signs and wonders being performed, And the rise of things demonic. The satanic realm. The demonic realm. The spirit realm. Remember, you're open yourself to the pneumos. You're open to the pneumos. Very dangerous ground. Many, many, many Christians are Christians. 
I'm not speaking about the world. Corinth is Corinth. Many Christians are not prepared for that fight, the spiritual fight. Remember, the demon to the sons of Siva, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? Many believers are not ready for that fight. You see? And to comfort each other, you may start out with 20 in a fellowship, but you're going to end up with five, maybe two, maybe only you. But in all cases, look up because we know that redemption draws near. Now I have a message for faithful pastors of the remnant. A message for faithful pastors of the remnant. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 7. And in Jeremiah chapter 7. Verse 25, Jeremiah 7, verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffen their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, You shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. These two verses, if you're a pastor of the remnant, to the faithful pastors of the remnant, remember these two verses. Remember these words, or three verses, verse 25, 26, and 27, Jeremiah 7. Remember and bind them to your heart, bind them to your mind, bind them to your soul, deep down to the marrow. Because your numbers will dwindle. You might have a hundred, it will go down to fifty, it will go down to thirty, it will go down to ten, it will go down to five, And it may even reduce further. But in all things, rejoice in the Lord only. And stay faithful. Stay faithful to our master. Stay faithful to the bridegroom. Because he's coming. The Bible says perilous times for a reason. Because they're going to be perilous. Now... Let's look at verse 50. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see here in verse 11, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. This is beautiful because we see the fruit is evident. The fruit is evident. And when to edify one another, they're building one another. And the fruit is evident. How beautiful is this to see a young church 
young church, new believers, but at the same time, they are advancing rapidly. Beautiful. In verse 12, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you or who work hard and are tired among you and are over you in the Lord. This is to preside and rule over you in the Lord. This is like pastors and elders, overseers. They have a task. They have a job to admonish you, he says, and admonish you. Now, these are those who give understanding and caution and warning. Remember, understand the formula must be right. We always must understand that the formula must be right because it's not just to say, okay, I'm going to submit myself to pastor one, pastor two, pastor three. No, the formula has to be right. You see? Not the, the, the pastor who has on, on his third marriage and his previous wives are still alive. No, it doesn't work that way. You see? The formula must be right in accordance to scripture. Sound doctrine must be taught. But then we look at the fruit as well. We're about to get into the pastoral epistles and we're going to be able to see and study and make these determinations, making these distinctions to understanding what the formula is in the biblical model, the biblical formula. There are people in the Lord who work hard and labor in the church and labor for the saints in obedience to the Lord. And they preside over and rule over in the Lord. These are like pastors and elders in verse 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You see, and when the formula is right, these are men. These are men. They, they don't care about money. They feed you. They protect you and they will die for you. And, you know, it's it's very powerful because they work hard, they labor, they study the scriptures. Why? To pour into the saints, to pour into God's people. They're always on duty and always watchful. You see, and if this describes your pastor, I know this, these messages go around the world. And if this describes your pastor, hold him in high esteem. He is under orders from Jesus to watch out for your soul. The faithful pastor. That's what Brother Paul is saying here for the saints. Look at these beautiful saints, the young Christians. But look, they have leadership, godly leadership that is teaching them and pouring into them. Not like you see in the defunct when we study Corinth. The first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter one, two, three, four, five. And then at chapter five, you see the separation, making the distinction from leaven and uh, remnant. And so we see here in verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Very powerful, this wording here. Warn those who are unruly. This is insubordinate. This includes the the derivative for the word addict. Powerful. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, which includes the word Addict. It's the inclination to indulge repeatedly. You see? It's so powerful because we live in a generation today where it's like, oh, habitual sin, habitual sin, habitual sin. What about warning those who are unruly, insubordinate? The inclination to indulge repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. You see this with sex, drugs, and alcohol. Those are the three biggies. The church in Thessalonica, self-policing, beautiful, self-policing, the body caring for the body. 
And, you know, he says in verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. This isn't like, you know, pastors, you got to do this. Elders, you got to do this. This is the body caring for the body. Hey, brother, this isn't good. Hey, brother, this, hey, sister, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, brother, you shouldn't be doing this. Self-policing. But yet we live in a day and age today where, hey, brother, you shouldn't be doing this. Don't judge me lest you be judged. God is love. Don't judge me lest you be judged. Hey, sister, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You should, it's not pleasing to the Lord. Don't judge me lest you be judged. That's the generation that we live in today. Verse 14, comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. And these are numbers that will be increasing in the last days. It's very interesting because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm finding, you know, that, that there are more people today, a problem that they are having, or it used to be, where it still is, but it used to be, you know, like, oh, you know, you think of like problems in the church. It's like the sex and the drugs. And there's that too. But we're seeing more that, you know, I need help with my faith. It feels like I'm losing my faith. Another sign of the times. You see? Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. And these are things that are going to be growing exponentially in the last days as, as the heart of men moves closer and closer to failing, the love waxing cold, lamps going out. These are things that we're going to see, and it is happening. And yet we provide comfort on the faint-hearted, upholding the weak. Being patient with all, to be patient with all. These are saints which are self-policing, self-caring, and we see the body caring for the body. Just like we see in a, in a human body, you know, the red blood cells and the white blood cells working together. And that's what you see in the body of Christ. Beautiful. And so we continue in verse 15, see that no one renders evil to evil for evil to anyone. You know, and there's this common uh, concept. It's on the rise in the church today. You know, oh, let's, let's just love on each other. Let God take care of the rest. But no, that's the mindset of the defunct pastor, the defunct elder, like we see in Corinth. That's why we like to look at Thessalonians as like the great do-over. We make the comparison between Corinth and Thessalonica. You see, and like in Corinth, you know, for three years, arrested development, no growth, no maturity. And yet in Thessalonica, yes, they're baby Christians, but look, they have good pastors, God-fearing pastors. They love the Lord, they fear the Lord, and they pour into the saints. And Paul says, you know, we have no need that we tell you because you know this already. See that no one in verse 15 renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Remember, this is inside and outside the church. Remember, the cost of being a Christian is very dangerous in Thessalonica, very dangerous, and yet we live peaceably. Wisdom is required. You're starting to see even more so in these last days, and it's going to get worse, is the rise of carnality as believers address matters of the flesh with the mind of the flesh, and ultimately, hearts will become calloused. Satan knows what he's doing. Remember, he's a fisherman too. He knows how to trap. He knows how to enslave. You see? Spiritual warfare. It's straight up war. And it's not like, you know, video games, you know, you know, uh, combat in video games. Oh, look, there's this, the boom, boom here, the boom, boom here. No, no. In real life, boom, boom, people die. 
real life die. Not the video games. You die and you know you get up again. No. Real life. Even more so in the spirit. And Satan doesn't play clean. He plays dirty. And yet the saints know how to conduct themselves, how to conduct their own vessel as we, as we studied last week, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all as we strive to live peaceably with men. Rejoice always, he says. Remember, in Corinth, he says in chapter 5, your rejoicing isn't good. And yet here he says, rejoice always. Why is it to saints in Corinth, he says, your rejoicing isn't good? You know why? It's the carnality, the leaven inside the camp. He says of the saints in Corinth, your rejoicing isn't good. They come to church, praise the Lord, hallelujah. They sing songs, they sing songs of worship. And Paul says, your rejoicing isn't good. Why? Carnality, the flesh. Pray without ceasing, he says in verse 17. Beautiful. Not just pray for five minutes, pray without ceasing. Remember, Cost of being a Christian. Very dangerous. There's the heavy, heavy thumb of the religious leaders, and yet there's still the little thumb of Rome. In everything, give thanks. Being thankful to the Lord. In everything, give thanks. You see? Have you ever seen people ungrateful, unthankful? Never do that with the Lord. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. And this translates as, do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit is how it translates. Very interesting. Because this will happen exponentially in the last days as lamps become dark and eventually burn out. You know why? No more oil. You see? And do not quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Very powerful when we understand what Scripture says and what the Bible teaches. It is possible for a believer to grieve the Holy Spirit and it is possible for a believer to quench the Spirit or extinguish the Spirit and we want that never to happen. But yet it does. It's called the deceitfulness of sin. Remember how we referred to Hebrews 3? The deceitfulness of sin. And that's how a heart becomes hard. It's the deceitfulness of sin. Turn with me really quick to Hebrews chapter 3. And in Hebrews 3, this is exactly what we see in Hebrews 3 verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You see, and people say, oh, the, the book of Hebrews that was written to Jewish believers. Well, don't forget, in Christ there's no Jew nor Gentile. That's in Christ. No Jew nor Gentile. Oh, the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews. Does that mean we shouldn't study this? We shouldn't, we should, we, we shouldn't understand the scriptures? Because in Christ, there's no Jew, no Gentile. We're all one in Christ. No male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. No, we're all one in Christ. But that's abiding in Christ. So here in verse 12, Hebrews 3, we have brethren, they're believers. And yet, how is it that a believer can have an evil heart? An evil heart so much so that it leads to unbelief. And that so much so that it leads to departing from the living God. You see, it's because they walked away. Just like baby girl, the baby girl example. 
you know, baby girl, you know, stay here. I go to prepare a place for you. I, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll be right back. You come back, baby girl's gone. You didn't lose her. She left. She walked away. And that's what we see here in verse 12. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, jello, a heart of jello. That's what we desire, the softest jello. That's what we desire. A heart goes from jello to through unbelief and through the deceitfulness of sin. Jello to balsa to maple to oak to pine to rock. We never want rock. Never, ever, ever want rock. But yet it happens. It's the deceitfulness of sin. And when we see the rock hearts, that's when we get into Hebrews 6. I mean, if you look at Hebrews 6 really quick. And in Hebrews 6, in verse 4, For it is impossible for those who, who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Remember in verse 4 it says, It is impossible. If they fall away, in, in verse 4 says it is impossible. In verse 6, verse six, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Remember, they have become, in verse 4, partakers of the Holy Spirit. These are people, the people that are being described here, these are ones who, ones who quench the Spirit. These are ones who extinguish the spirit. These are ones whose lamps run out of oil. You see? They've been enlightened. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, except something happens in verse 6. They fall away. And if they fall away, just like verse 4 says, it, imp is it, it is impossible. And verse 6 says, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Wow. You see? Oh, you're such a legalist. That's not legalism. That's understanding the truth of the, script, the scriptures and understanding that this is a very serious fight, a very serious walk. Oh, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. I believe in the finished work of the cross. So do I. I believe in the finished work of the cross. But let us walk in the light according to the spirit, not according to the flesh, the deceitfulness of sin. You see? Do not quench the spirit. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not extinguish the spirit. Because through the extinguishing of the spirit, look at what happens. That's when a heart becomes rock. We don't want that. Do not despise prophecies. Somebody better give a Bible to Rick Warren. Somebody, if you're in proximity to Rick Warren, give him a Bible, not the message. Give him a real Bible. Do not despise the prophecies because Rick Warren, quote, he says, quote, those who are distracted with Bible prophecies are Bible prophecy are not fit for the kingdom of God. A servant of Satan would say such a thing. 
Because the Bible says in Revelation 19 verse 10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Somebody give that man a Bible. Not the message. The real Bible. Do not despise prophecies. If Rick Warren dies without repenting to the real Jesus and abiding in the real Jesus, and if he doesn't repent of his wicked ways, he will burn in hell. The Bible says, do not despise prophecies. Look at the prophecies that we looked at just in this chapter alone. Don't you think, it, don't you think it's, it's good to know what lies ahead of us? And yet, false teachers, which are on the rise in the last days, study prophecies because those who do so are not fit for the kingdom of God and yet you have people say well the Bible says I got to submit to my pastor so I'm going to submit to my pastor who says don't study the prophecies because you know those who do so are not fit for the kingdom of God and remember Rick Warren says follow me as I follow Christ he's following Christ absolutely the problem is it's a different Christ the Christ that is presented doesn't have the word above his name. It is another Christ, the dangerous one that is prophesied about. And the false Christ have their false teachers, all of them servants of Satan. But the real Jesus, the real Christ, whose word is above his name, the real Jesus in whom the testimony is the spirit of prophecy, as written in Revelation 19.10, do not despise prophecies. In verse 21, discern all things or test all things, which is to discern all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This is so powerful because we learn this from the word of God. Abstain from every form of evil. You see, and sometimes people are new believers. They come to Christ and you don't know what, what the Lord deems as evil. And that's, we learn and we study and you and me, we yield to the word of God. We yield to the spirit and the spirit leads to the word of God. You see, the real spirit leads to the real word of God. A fake spirit leads to, you know, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. The, or the, the, the fake spirit. The spirit of Satan leads to, you know, oh, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. The fake spirit leads to, oh, let's go lay in the graves. That's the fake spirit. Those are phony. When you have a profound love of truth, this love of truth will help you. Because somebody say, hey, everybody, we're going to go lay on the graves tonight. Nope, that's not happening. Because I love the truth and the truth of God's holy word and the word became flesh says that is necromancy and abomination before the Lord. Pastor, you need to repent if you want to call yourself a pastor. You see? Hey, everybody, go ahead, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Wrong. That's not what the Bible says. You see, a profound love of truth will help you with a humble heart. You see, with a humble heart, with a noble heart, with a humble heart. It's powerful. Test all things in verse 21. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And these are things that we learned. New believers, babies in Christ. You know, you come to Christ and you're, you know, like a prostitute. Praise be to the Lord. You come to Christ, but now we got to get you a new job. New vocation. You work in the casinos, new vocation. You come to Christ, okay, new vocation. 
strippers. Okay, you come to Christ, new vocation. You're a priest of Buddha. You believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, new vocation. Praise be to the Lord. These are our BC days before Christ. And before Christ, remember how Paul says, you know, uh, about, you know, sex, drugs, fornication will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Such were some of you, past tense, but you were washed, you were cleansed. Powerful. Look at, you know, you talk to Christians about their testimony. You have alcohol, sex, drugs, sometimes a mixture of a whole bunch of things. You know, you have Buddha, you have Mary, you have all kinds of different things. Those are our BC days before Christ. But when you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead, Boom, new creation in Christ Jesus. That old guy is dead. That old lady is dead. No more drugs. No more getting drunk. No more crack. No more stripping. No more this. No more prostituting. No more this. No, because we're new creations in Christ. Former prostitute, you believe in Jesus? Boom, you're my sister in Christ. I love you. Former crackhead, you believe in Jesus Christ? You uh, reckon those things dead? Boom, you're my brother in Christ beautiful it's powerful and together we grow together we mature together we move on to perfection ultimately together we move on to paradise but in this life together we move on to perfection remember the rugby match in our if you've been walking with us for a while the rugby match from our study in romans you're gonna have mature you're gonna have babies it's not to say like, oh, you're a baby, you can't hang out with us. No, it's the, the mature humbles themselves and it's like, boom, now the babies can, the young believers, it's like now we 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 are together, episunagage, uh, ecclesia, but at the same time, the mature humble themselves, the younger who are not mature in Christ, now they learn from the mature. Male, female, everybody, everybody learns, everybody grows, everybody matures, we walk together. And then in that camp, you also have from mature deadly deadly you see the good deadly not the bad deadly like you know you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna die because of your belief which is false doctrine you know that's bad deadly you know there's certain doctrines that are deadly that's bad deadly but the good deadly is like paul like peter like chloe like priscilla like Achilla. that's the good deadly that means you can fight the good fight and you know handle some serious business Metaphysically speaking, that means the wolf comes, you kill the wolf. Metaphysically speaking. You see, the, the wolf comes like a Rick Warren type who says, you know, uh, you're not fit for the kingdom of God if you study prophecy. A wolf like that comes, you kill the wolf. Metaphysically speaking. You see, that's deadly. Do not despise the prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from what is evil. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when he says in verse 13 or verse 23, sanctify you completely. Remember our study in chapter 4, you know, we're not the soap, we're not the shampoo. But, you know, we jump in the shower, make a choice, okay? Little stinky, gotta jump in the shower. Little stinky, gotta jump in the shower. Rough day, you know, was, you know, uh, 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 worker on the farm or whatever. You're a little stinky, you get a little dirty, okay, jump in the shower. There is a choice involved with sanctification. Jumping in the shower. But we're not the soap, we're not the water, we're not the shampoo. 
I love this so much. You see, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Not sanctify you for a little bit. No, sanctify you completely. I remember when I first came to Christ, when I felt so dirty and that I could take a billion, trillion, bajillion showers and like with Brillo pads, like, you know, fire, fireman hose and like, and I would still be filthy because I was filthy, but I was inside. A bar of soap couldn't clean that. Because I was filthy in my heart, in my mind, deep down to the marrow. Filthy, filthy, filthy. But Jesus cleaned me. Jesus cleaned me. That old man is dead. You see? And he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. I tell you these things from experience. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. Which is, you know, it translates as to be preserved, which is good. And it translates as to keep from escaping, which is good. But it also translates as something else, which I love. It is to stay unmarried. Beautiful. Now, you might be married according to the flesh and praise be to the Lord. You might be unmarried according to the flesh, and praise be to the Lord. But according to the Spirit, stay unmarried. Because there's the better marriage that awaits the saints. Turn with me really quick to Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Brother Paul says this, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him, to him, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You see? I love this so much when we see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 23, that the God of peace himself, his own personal touch, the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, which is, translates as, you know, to preservation, yes. But to stay unmarried, you and me looking forward to the better marriage, the bridegroom, son of the most high, Blameless, he says in verse 23, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, chapter 4, the dead rise first. The dead first. The living or those who survive will by no means precede the dead. Will by no means precede the dead. Verse 23, he who calls you is faithful. Translate says, faithful and trustworthy. He who calls you is faithful and trustworthy, who also will do it. Listen, God is going to do 
exactly, precisely, every jot, every tittle, he's going to do exactly and precisely what he says he will do. It will come to pass. All these things that we're looking at, like, you know, like in verse 1, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. And like in verse uh, uh, verse 2, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Verse 3, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Now, we're looking at these passages before they happen. And, you know, in some regard, it's like, okay, very sobering passages, but sobering passages, sobering truths require a sober mind, not a mind that is given over to alcohol and drugs and sex and all kinds of different things, Buddha and Mary and Ouija boards and the occult and witchcraft, no, Minds that are sober in Christ, abiding in Christ. But we know that God who calls us is faithful and trustworthy. More more faithful and trustworthy than the very ground you stand on. He is more trustworthy than the very ground you stand on, that we stand on. And he will also, and he also will do it. He's going to perform all the, all these things will come to pass. You and me today, we are on one side of these events that we, the prophetic events. But there is coming a time when you are me in our glorified bodies. When these things that we look at today and that we study today, they will be history. They will be in the rear view mirror. They will be over and done with. And the constant is the Lord. Through it all, the constant is the Lord. He's going to do exactly, precisely what he says he's going to do. These are going to be in the past. I mean, have you ever been like nervous about something like anxiety about a certain event? Something, you know, maybe the birth of a child, like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go into labor and, you know, it's going to hurt and, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you know, if you're female, if you're male, it's like, you know, she's going to be in pain. She's going to be hurting, you know, and there's that expectation, like, oh my goodness, this guy. But when it happens, it's like, oh, this is so beautiful. And it's like, well, the baby's born and, you know, a year later, two years later, it's like, wow, that's all in history. It's all in the rear view mirror. It came to pass. The same thing applies to you and me, knowing that God who calls us, he's faithful and trustworthy. He's going to perform all these things. These things that we like, the perilous times that we study, the prophecies that we study, it will come to pass and it's going to be in the history books. It's going to be in the rear view mirror. And be of good cheer. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us, he says. Beautiful. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. In verse 25, brethren, pray for us. The inclusion of the saints in praying for the holy bubble of Paul. And in that bubble, you see Titus and Timothy and all kinds of beautiful people. The next generation of pastoral leadership, ministry leaders. He says in verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, Death is required. I mean, to go to like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, to go to baby Christians, carnal Christians, and say, hey, greet everybody with the holy, greet the brethren with the holy kiss. That's going to get out of hand very quickly. 
This is only for dead people. And when I say dead, I speak according to the spirit. And the flesh too, you know, I mean, being dead to sin. You're crucified with Christ. Remember, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. But can every believer say that? I am crucified with Christ. The answer is no. It's not to say that we can never say it. But in order for a person to say, I am crucified with Christ, they better be dead. They better be carrying their cross. They better have reckoned the old man dead or the old woman dead. Those things are in play. Okay, crucified with Christ. Those things are out of play. Okay, don't kiss the brethren. This isn't like, okay, look, I can, uh, I get to kiss you. I get to kiss you. No, 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 no. It's not like that. Oh, it's biblical. I get to kiss you. No, that's carnal. You know, when I meet my family, my relatives, you know, according to the flesh and, you know, biology, uh, my biological family, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles, we kiss each other. You know, left cheek, right cheek. We kiss each other. That's what we do. It's like a cultural thing. But how much, how much more in the body of Christ? Among the dead. And when I say dead, I, those who are crucified. Carnal, you, 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 in 1 Corinthians 5, don't do that. Because you have, you know, the, the leaven. You do that, you practice this with the leaven, not good. But you remove the leaven, you separate from the leaven, and you exercise these things, and moving on to perfection, beautiful. Me personally, I've only done this with old people. Because young people are carnal. I mean, you know, in, in those who I've encountered, the young carnal. Old people, like overage, 25, no, over age uh, 70. Over age 70. Male and female. A kiss for my beautiful brother, a kiss for my beautiful sister in Christ. A holy kiss. A death is required, crucified with Christ. It's not a holy kiss, like, you know, nothing dirty. Remember, we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, verse 8, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy, we meditate on these things. That's the mind of the saint, the mind of the Christian, those who know how to conduct their own vessel. You're crucified with Christ, and you're dead in Christ. You carry your cross, you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead. Verse 26 is in play. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord. In verse 27, he says, now, Paul goes out of his way. He doesn't lord over people's faith. But in this case, he makes his charge. And he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Hagios. In the Greek, hagios, saints, consecrated, holy, and sacred. There's a big hullabaloo in the Catholic Church. They want females to be saints. Catholic Church is not biblical Christianity. If you're Catholic, I love you, but come out of her, my people. It is unbiblical. But I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Okay, Abide in Jesus, the real Jesus. Learn from the word of God. Not Vatican I, not Vatican II. You see? The real word of God. The Bible warns about the seven hills. 
Hagios. Because in Christ, you're male, you're female, and you're abiding in Christ, you're a saint. To my beautiful sisters, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are. You're abiding in Christ, behold the saint. You're a saint. You don't need a pope. You don't need a vicar of Christ, so-called, to say, okay, now females can be saints. Wrong. Somebody get that man a Bible. A real Bible, not the message. A real Bible. To teach him. Somebody show him the Greek. Somebody show him the Hebrew. Somebody show him the Aramaic. Because sainthood, according to Catholicism, is unbiblical. You're female in Christ. You're abiding in Christ. You're a saint. Male, you're a saint. Hagios, it's consecrated, holy. You see? It's beautiful. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. In verse 28, in closing, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. How beautiful is this? To understand all these things that, you know, prophecy. Bible prophecy, you know, phase one, phase two. The theater of combat, the theater of war, evacuation, and then, you know, destruction. Now, I'm not, you know, advocating destruction. I'm not like, oh, wow, cool, look, the destruction, destruction. No, it's to, for you and me to go on our rescue mission. We go on the rescue mission, we have the full armor of God, and we're going to take hits. It's not that we're going to have like a chrome breastplate and a chrome helmet and a chrome shield and chrome. It's not for, it's not for the glitz and the glam. We're going to have our shield with dents. We're going to have our breastplate with dents. We're going to have our helmet with dents. Why? Because we're handling business. Straight up hand to hand combat. A fixed bayonets. For what reason? To engage, not just for the fight, but don't forget, we have our fishing poles too. We have our fishing poles. Breach, we go in for the fight. But then we share the good news. Fishers of men, fishers of women, young, old, male, female, I don't care. Strippers, prostitutes, gamblers, all kinds of things of the flesh, the occult. You better be equipped. Because there's prostitutes who need to hear the good news so that they can make a choice to come to Christ. Or they might love the darkness. Or they might fall in love with the light. You see? Gangsters. They might love the light. You see? Prostitutes, strippers, drug dealers... Crackheads, meth heads, all kinds of different people around the world. Everybody, rich, poor, young, old, fish. They need to hear the good news. And every, every soul that cries out to the Lord. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10. Verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Except we see it. Something here. Very beautiful, but... Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But some questions are posed. 
How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You see, look at the strippers, the prostitutes, the drug dealers, the Buddhists, the, the occult, the witches, Wiccans, those in witchcraft, and, you know, all kinds of different people. Criminals, white collar, blue collar, rich, poor, going about, about their lives. How are they going to call out to Christ? How are they going to call out to God? How are they going to cry out to Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of who they, who, who they haven't, have not heard? You see, there's a problem. Look at all the fish. And it is true. Verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How are they going to call out to the Lord when they don't know the Lord? How are they going to believe when they haven't heard? And now we see verse four, uh, the end of verse 14. How shall they hear without a preacher? You see? How shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 14, we see the beginning. How shall they call on him who have who they, how shall how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Look at the world. Look at the world. People have this head for the hills mentality. Oh, we're gonna head for the hills. A close friend of mine says, Oh, get out of the cities, get out of the cities. Go live in the, you know. In the boonies, it is safe for you. But when you understand the prophecies, the animals will kill you. You see? The animals will become... The animals are already deadly. But the animals are going to be killing like crazy. You know? Oh, I'm going to head for there. Look, it's going to be safe for my flesh. It's going to be safe for my flesh. I'm going to go move, and move out to the, to the boonies. Boom, eaten by a bear. Nice lunch for bears. Nice dinner and breakfast for... Bears and lions. Where are the fish? You see? How are they going to cry out to the Lord? In whom they have not heard. Oh, but the city is dangerous. Look, there's the sex and the drugs and this and that. That's the world. Corinth is Corinth. That's the world. It's going to get worse and worse. Fish fewer and far between. Oh, they're predestined for hell in accordance to a theory. But the theory is wrong. You see? And still in verse 14, how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How will they hear? How are they going to hear? And how should they hear without a preacher? Now we look in the mirror. You see? Oh, but it's dangerous. Yes, absolutely it's dangerous. You gotta learn how to fight. Because in the dangerous environment, you be more dangerous. We be more dangerous with our armor. Not chrome, 
Not, you know, nice and, you know, uh, polished and nice and shiny so we can take our selfies and look like we're cool. All for the gram. No, it doesn't work that way. Dented. Dents in the shield. Dents in the arm. Big, big, you know, fat dent in the helmet. You see that. It's like, whoa, this guy's getting down and dirty. Whoa, this lady's getting down and dirty. Fighting. Whoa, it's dangerous over there. Look, it's dangerous. Whoa, she's more dangerous. Whoa, he's more dangerous. How shall they hear without a preacher? When we look in the mirror. And how shall they preach in verse 15? Unless they are sent. You see? Apostello in the Greek. Two parts of that word, apostello. Set apart and sent away. Set apart, consecration unto the Lord. And then sent away. Remember, before apostles, they were disciples. Learn how to fight, my friend. My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, learn how to fight. And fear not. There's... You know, carnally speaking, there's plenty of things to be afraid of. Or what, you know, I've had these conversations with people who are freaked out over like nuclear war. Freaked out. They're like, oh my goodness, you know, we're going to get nuked and all these things. Well, it's possible we can get nuked. But when you're abiding Christ, it's like, okay, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's a different mindset. That's real. You know, the world has their brand of peace and security, peace and safety, but real peace and safety... Yeah, we can get nuked, but to live is Christ, to die is gain. That mindset only comes from Jesus Christ. Death has no sting. You see? And when you learn how to fight, straight up hand-to-hand combat affixed bayonets, and get down and dirty, metaphysically speaking, and you understand the scriptures, somebody comes to you and says, oh, the Bible says this. Yes, it does say that, but it is also written. You can talk with the Catholics, the Mormons, the J-Dubs, Jehovah's Witness. You can talk with the Calvinists, the Lutherans, the Methodists. You can talk with, you know, Muslims and Catholics. You can talk with the Reformed Theory people. You can talk with the Pre-Tribulation people. You can talk with anybody. You can talk with... Jewish rabbi, rabbis. The rabbis are Talmudic law people. You can talk with all these people and say, no, listen, this says this, but it is also written. It's when you're equipped. You see? We see in verse 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of priests peace who bring glad tidings of good things beautiful 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 these days are evil it's getting darker and darker and darker and darker but as surely as the lord lives we say unto you store your oil so that you can have light for the dark and when you store your oil you have light for the dark We fight. This is the manner of the warrior. And we fight the weapons of warfare, which are not carnal in nature, but spiritual. Powerful for bringing down strongholds. 
metaphysically, spiritually speaking. I never, ever, 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 ever forget the beautiful, blessed fishing pole. And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. We'll close. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 28, we'll say it again. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. God bless you. I love you.